welcome to the Think Factory podcast. We got one question for you. What keeps you up at night? Welcome to the Women's Roundtable podcast, powered by the Think Factory, where we learn how women think big and grow their business. My name is Susan Kleiner, and I'm a partner with Outside General Counsel Solutions, and I am the host of today's episode. I'm happy to have with me here today Donna Hughes, the founder and CEO of Hughes Solutions, LLC. Hughes Solutions helps companies and leaders transform cultures and build high-performing teams. Donna is an organizational leadership coach, former human resources executive, and accomplished attorney with more than 25 years of experience spanning the healthcare, life sciences, and retail industries. Her prior roles include Chief People Officer for Emblem Health, one of the nation's largest not-for-profit healthcare insurers, and its physician's affiliates. SVP, Human Resources for Impact Laboratories, a small-cap pharmaceutical company, Vice President of Labor and Employment at Allergen, a $15 billion global pharmaceutical company, and Director and Assistant General Counsel for Circuit City Stores. Donna is passionate about coaching senior and emerging leaders, so in turn, they may invest in their teams and positively shape their organizations and their communities. And Donna is no stranger to the Women's Roundtable. She's uh, had some webinars with us, which have just been fabulous. And I'm so happy to welcome you back here today in this new format with a podcast. So, you know, thanks for thanks for being here today, Donna. Absolutely, Susan. Happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. So I just want to get right into it because I know you have so many good things to say. And I personally love talking to you. And I find it so inspiring. And you really get me thinking about, you know, what I'm doing in work and coaching and working with others. And I know that what you have to offer is so beneficial for all of our listeners. So I read something somewhere that talked about your philosophy on leadership. And you really focused on these this phrase, servant leader, agile people strategist, and coach. And I'd love to hear more about this and how it differentiates you. So, like, starting with servant leader, could you talk a little bit about that? Sure, sure. So, there are a lot of different leadership styles, but servant leader is is my leadership style and one that I think is most effective in organizations that really want to be high-performing and have high-performing, engaged cultures. Servant leaders put their employees first. They focus on inspiring and motivating and mentoring their talent. So it's essentially the employer serving the employee kind of mindset instead of the employee serving the employer. And the outcome that we hope for and what I believe truly shows up is an engaged and committed workforce that are willing to bring their best to work and have high performing teams and a really engaged, positive culture. Uh, without a positive culture, uh, the organization is losing traction, uh, losing talent, losing engagement, losing the ability to be innovative. And I I honestly believe that servant leadership is how you truly support your workforce so that they can bring their very best and are willing to do so and and create those types of teams that drive great outcomes. 
So what a shift, right? The employer is working to serve the employees versus the other way around, although it's all about accomplishing the same objective, right? Which is to be a high-performing team. Absolutely. So the next was being an agile people strategist, which I thought was really, you know, well said. Can you explain some about that? Yeah. So, well, agility is a leadership competency that is greatly needed in organizations. And uh, it is important for organizations to really be agile around their business strategy. But you often also have to be agile around your people strategy so that so that it aligns and so that it it complements and so that it is a part of the overall strategy. It's not something that's just kind of done off the side of the desk and in dynamic times and competitive times and also in times where where talent have choices uh, they can go to the company next door or and if you want them to continue to stay with you and serve well in their time with your organization you have to be agile around how you work with talent and figuring out what is most needed and what motivates and supports engagement so agility around leadership agility around engaging talent agility around strategy for the organization they all go hand in hand. And it sounds like it goes together with servant leadership as well. Like the it, two complement yes. each other. Yes. All right. And then the final word, you know, in what I was reading when you were describing uh, leadership style was actually coach. So yes. coaching and leadership. I mean, this is huge. Tell me yes. more. Well, you, you know that I am a certified uh, executive organizational coach, uh, but companies that have coaching coaching cultures Mm-hmm. are companies that do extremely well because you are always focused on that growth mindset, right? And that we will support our workforce by providing the coaching support that is needed to ensure people are rising to their potential. And when I coach leaders as the founder and CEO of Hugh Solutions, when I coach, I make sure that I am uh, leaving them in a, in a place after that coaching engagement that they have support to continue within the organization. I kind of say, well, you know, when I fade into the wallpaper, you know, who's going to support you and, and, and be a part of your resources? Who do you want to be your internal coach? And so it may be the manager. It may be, uh, you know, uh, a senior leader, uh, for the CEO. It might be someone who's on the board, but a coaching culture means that everyone, um, is supported in the organization to continue to grow. And and they don't need to do it on their own. They can have other people available to them uh, to stretch them in their thinking and their performance. Wow. So it's a coaching culture. So if I'm I, I heard so many great things in that. So when there's a coaching culture and I talk to somebody like you, I'm not just helping myself out in terms of whatever issues that I'm facing in my workplace, but I can turn around and create other internal coaching relationships uh, with people that perhaps I work with, you know, in my team and also find internal people to support me. And it's, it's just, you know, this, this entire shift. So you're, you're coaching coaches 
and you're coaching people how to find coaches, although working with you obviously um, is uh, the best in terms of feeling probably the most supported by getting a coach. Well, I would I would t- tell you that um, you're right about how there is this uh, shift for for individuals once they have the experience of coaching um, and they make shifts in their behaviors and leadership. And one of the things that is really just insightful and, you know, just gives me joy when I hear a coachee say this to me is that, you know, I not only did I shift my behavior that wasn't serving me, I was able to coach someone else on how to do that as well. I saw someone else who maybe needed some support and I gave them that support and I invested in them. I invested in my team. And at, at, at my firm, we focus on uh, investing in talent so that they can invest into their team and also in their communities. When you're coached and you learn how to stretch in a different way and you build certain muscle and strengths that maybe you didn't have before or that you need to uh, emphasize in a particular environment that you didn't have to emphasize in an environment before, it doesn't just serve you just in that four walls, okay? Change behavior serves you uh, as an individual personally. It serves you how you interact with your team. And it also serves you how you walk and navigate your community. And so there could be a shift also in how you show up at other places. Uh, it's not atypical for someone to say to me, you know, my husband or, or my spouse or my, you know, my partner has said they, they really appreciate some of the changes that I'm making. And unbeknownst to them, it started out from a career perspective, but that same change in behavior was also helping them uh, in their in their homes. Wow. So that's so great that you get to know that you're having such an impact on people. Uh, what else do you love about coaching? So I, I really enjoy helping leaders reach a greater potential, both personally and for their organization. And I'll tell you, if I could share with you a little bit about how I got to this journey, because you started out talking about my my career. And so a lot of people wonder, well, why would you yeah. leave a chief people officer role and, and launch this firm where you focus on executive coaching and advisory services? And, and I've always been a confidant, a mentor and a coach to others, not just on the job, but with family and friends. And for years, friends or former colleagues would sometimes come to me and or they would send people to me, complete strangers. Oh, you know, you're considering changing fields, you should talk to Donna. Oh, you're having conflict on the job. You know, maybe Donna can be a sounding board for you. And I found myself picking up the phone late at night or on the weekends when I already had a full-time job working some, you know, 12, 13 more hours a day at times. And I had to figure out why was I, you know, so readily picking up the phone. Yeah, really. You know, (laughs) uh, because, of course, it was a sacrifice to other things, right? You know, family, sleep, all of that, right? And uh, it was during the pandemic when I did some soul searching like many of us um, were doing at that time. And I realized that uh, helping people reach their potential and serve better as leaders and as humans as we navigate this earth, it gave something to them, but it also gave me joy. And it's my purpose. So this is how I serve now. Wow. So that's so inspirational and so great to hear. 
And obviously we've been talking about, you know, how coaching works. Um, and you just mentioned now when people came to you before you were a certified coach, like I'm having an issue. Mm-hmm. I need to talk to you about this. I'm thinking about switching my career or changing positions. I just wanted to know, like, when would be the most beneficial time for someone to seek out the services of a certified coach? That is a great question. Uh, leaders seek out support from a coach for a number of different reasons. Um, as leaders, we sometimes have to exercise different competencies to be strong under different circumstances. For example, the behaviors that serve the leader well in leading a turnaround may not be the same behaviors that are most needed in, say, uh, leading a culture transformation. So how does a leader make that shift? That's where coaches come in. It's a process of asking powerful questions to drive greater self-awareness, help you analyze circumstances, determines what's working, what's not, and the shifts that need to be made. Uh, so often, People seek out a coach when they are in a different role or circumstance that may require some some shifting. In addition, leaders maybe seek out a coach when they've received some feedback and they want to hone in on certain skills. You know, they're excelling, they're doing great, but they could reach even higher potential if they could focus on certain skills and build them further and strengthen them further. And also people lean into coaches uh, when they are maybe just making changes in jobs, you know, um, like going from a shift from uh, being a, a senior leader to a CEO, being a middle management leader who is high potential and wants career advancement. Uh, so just preparing for their next moves uh, will often be a time when people are looking for coaches. And then there's also times when uh, people are very, very senior and a coach is helpful because that old adage of it's lonely at the top, that is true, okay? The more senior you get, the more cautious one is about sharing information, about their thoughts, and feeling less like a team and more like someone who has, you know, some really daunting responsibilities. So many leaders in senior leadership and at the CEO level have coaches that can be their sounding boards and support on a regular basis and have those relationships, not just for months, but for years. I also want to mention in in regard to this, that my team and I coach leaders who are often spearheading and driving and navigating major transformation within their organization. And we do that because we know at that time it is desperately needed. There are studies that definitely have determined that a large portion of transformations are are ones where organizations don't meet all of their major goals, right? So you just imagine you're putting all this investment into a major technology transformation, into an acquisition, uh, into uh, all sorts of shifts, Right. You know, new product lines or or um, changing uh, your your philosophy and your client base. Right. But that you're losing part of that investment because of the challenges that come along with transformations. 
they can, you know, as, as a lawyer and a chief people officer of major organizations, I've witnessed what, you know, can happen. There's so much going on. You're moving at such a fast pace. There's aggressive targets and a lot can happen in that time period. Everybody experiences change differently. Some people really, really love it. You know, the busier and the crazier it is, the more they thrive. Other people run away from change. And then there's the people in the middle who just feel like their feet are in, you know, sinking in, in quicksand. And so you can see things like mental fatigue or silos, breakdowns in communication. Sometimes there's conflict um, or, you know, people just struggling to influence to get get over the finish line. So while this is happening the organization is losing engagement and and the innovation that's necessary in order to complete their transformations. So coaching can help leaders under these circumstances get out of their own way. And I I liken it to if your hand is up and your palm is in front of the in front of your face as a coach, I pull that hand back so that you can see what is really going on, be more self-aware, and focus on the priorities in this transformation and the the uh, leadership competencies that you need to exercise in order to execute and really kind of push everything else out of your way. Wow. It seems to me like having a coach uh, is so beneficial for personal and organizational needs. Just talking to you, I feel like everyone needs one. So kind of shifting topics here and something that we've talked about before with you at the Women's Roundtable. What are, in your opinion, some key competencies for women leaders? Yeah, so uh, it's a great question. And I want to say first, because it's a broad question and not all women are alike, not all circumstances are alike, um, but there are definite societal challenges, you know, that show up in the workplace for women. And and even in fields where women are the majority of the workforce, let's just say healthcare, by example, because I used to work in healthcare. And women in healthcare, you know, the numbers are, are high in terms of entry level and middle management. But they decrease when you get to senior leadership. And uh, so even in those environments, women can be met with conscious or unconscious bias. That is yet another thing to think about and which can impact our success. You certainly, Susan, I'm sure your audience, I'm sure, heard of and or experienced situations where women and men are doing the same exact thing, same behavior, but it is labeled negatively for women. You know, the most common, you know, one that we hear is a man says something, does something, and he's being assertive. Woman says or does the same exact thing, and she's being overly aggressive. Like, no, I've never heard that. Never heard that before, that's, right? That's never happened <laughs> and, to me. <laughs> and, and that, you know, and that just never happens. And it's certainly not in now we're in 2024, right? So certainly not in 2024. Right. But indeed, indeed it does. <laughs> um, you know, sometimes we're two steps forward, one step back. And this is one of those areas. And there's numerous examples. And the one that I just want to bring up one that just came to mind that, you know, has happened to me, I'm sure has happened to many other women. But when it first happened to me, I was 
just floored. <laughs> and I thought there was, I thought I, you know, I just thought that I wasn't um, recalling what really happened, that maybe, you know, it was a figment of my imagination. Have you ever been in a leadership meeting uh, with mostly men and you offer an idea <laughs> and people just roll on past it? <laughs> yeah. And then five minutes later, a man offers the same idea, and it is fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> I, I 100%, not only have I seen that, but I, I read a, uh, like an article about it, and there's a name for that. Did you know that? It's called heat-heating, which, oh, I right? did not like, know that. Heat-heating. So, and yes, 100% that has happened. It has happened to me. I know that there has been certainly the, you know, we all, we create ways of dealing with these issues, so I know that one of the things that has been helpful to women in organizations is called amplification, right? So if that's going to keep happening in this room, have your allies amplify for you. Oh, I, you know, I think I just heard Susan say something <laughs> to that effect. <laughs> Susan, tell us more about that, right? And just keep on amplifying till somebody understands where where that idea really came from. I mean, these are some of the things that we that we face as women in leadership. And the fact of the matter is, women in leadership are every bit of, as effective as men. Um, but the reality is that we can be unfairly labeled. And when we try to navigate such of these minefields. Uh, it can dilute in areas, areas where we need to show up, like our confidence, like managing up, like negotiating adeptly. In, in fact, at the end of this month, I'm going to be speaking to a community of black female leaders and, and, and there are other layers when, when you're a female and you're also a person of color. Um, I'll be talking to them about advocacy and negotiations and how to tr strengthen those skills while navigating these labels and bias and inaccurate perceptions. Wow. You do such great work. Um, so that's so thank you for talking about that. And I, I love hearing more about amplification. Right. And things that we can do uh, as women leaders, uh, I think, towards more inclusive leadership, which mm -hmm. I know is something that you've spoken quite a bit of, about. So why is inclusive leadership important? And maybe we could just talk some more about examples of that. Yeah. Yeah. So inclusive leadership, simply put, uh, lifts organizational performance without a doubt, full stop. Okay. No one person has all the ideas. So leaders have to set the tone that invites collaboration, engagement, and ultimately retention of great talent. And, and without inclusive leadership, organizations cannot be competitive. They will fall short of the true potential of the organization because you are not allowing your teams to rise to their true potential. If they are not brought into the fold, if they don't have seats at the table, if they don't have a voice. And so, you know, at best, you're losing some competitive edge. At worst, you could actually become um, extinct. Um, that might sound like I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I'm really not. You know, there are companies, <laughs> they, there are companies who have failed in part because of groupthink, not inviting folks in. Uh, you know, example, remember Blackberry? 
Okay. Uh, you okay. know, the, it's a, the company name escapes me for a moment, but the, but the product, right? We all know is Blackberry. So the company leadership, uh, thought the iPhone was nonsense mm. and, and wouldn't listen to junior colleagues who pushed for innovation, right? So we all know what people are carrying and using every day now, right? Remember Kodak. Kodak was beat out um, by di- digital cameras, but the story um, is that they succumbed to groupthink. That 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 management did not listen to folks who who thought they could do better if they just shifted um, their energy and get ahead of it, uh, and they didn't. And so there was lack of innovation, and that's what they succumbed to. It does happen. So it can be, maybe it can be small, and it's competitive edge that people are challenged to actually monetize. Or it could be as big as we don't remember that company anymore, or or there's a very sad story around that company. So, like, where do we want to be, basically? Inclusive leadership is that important. It's that important. And also... Talking before about inclusive leadership and amplifying, I mean, when we have these, I'm going to call it uh, aggressions or microaggressions in the workplace, in meetings, where we're not listening to people, uh, we are not acting as inclusive leaders. So I'm curious if you have some ideas, uh, examples, suggestions for what we can do when that's happening. Or yeah. we witnessed it and maybe we didn't do anything at the time, but mm-hmm. we should have done something. So let me start by saying we show up best when we're authentic and and lean into our strengths. And my strengths may be different than your strengths. So what I will say about what you can do, some people might say, oh, no, I can't really do that. Right. Like I can't really step in and, you know, and interrupt and speak for someone in a room full of leaders. I'm very much an introvert. Right. There's always something that can be done. And leadership is a gift that should be cultivated. And when you have that responsibility, we have to figure out the ways that we can lead or lead when it's a challenging time, even if it makes us uncomfortable. You don't have to do it exactly the way I do it, but discomfort is a part of leadership. So find your way to be supportive and to manage down and uh, erode the things that are not in service to your talent, to your culture, to your mission of your organization. I was speaking with someone the other day and and that person was trying to figure out as a leader, how do they handle situations when there are group leader meetings? And one of the most senior leaders is just driving conflict and not not cohesiveness. You know, conflict is can be productive. We have to have dialogue, but driving destructive conflict, right? And as we worked through it and I asked the powerful questions, she came to a solution on her own that made her feel comfortable, but also made her her feel like she was doing what was needed. 
to shift the dynamics in the room as a leader who was junior to this leader, which is to invoke space for the people who cannot be heard and speak up in that moment and ask for others to give their opinion. Don't have to be rude. Don't have to tell Joe that he's sucking up the room. Don't have to tell Joe that he's wrong. But you can say, I haven't heard from Sarah. And yesterday, Sarah said something really great in a one-on-one. Sarah, can you tell the group about it? Step in that space and give room for other people. That's one way that we can address things. Another way is you might have people in, in a room where they're individual contributors. They're still leaders. Leaders of self is, is the way I look at it. But, you know, there's a power dynamic when there's senior folks in the room and maybe someone's not ready yet to speak up, right? As a leader, you notice that maybe after the meeting, go to that person and say, did you have anything on your mind, anything you wanted to contribute? Is there any way that I can help you and support you in collaborating? Sometimes people just need to know that you notice that they are there. And that just because they are a quiet or pensive person does not mean they don't have something to contribute. Bring in the people who are not um, necessarily the loudest in the room. The loudest in the room uh, can sometimes squash the greatest of innovation. Wow, that's powerful. And obviously, these situations that you're talking about are perfect for coaching. This is precisely why it can be so powerful and important to get a coach so that you can have these conversations and say, hey, I noticed this. What might I do differently or what might I do to be more inclusive, to amplify voices, to be a better servant leader? So. Yeah, exactly right. We, you know, we do, we do workshops and cohort coaching on areas like inclusive leadership to support the organization at large because sometimes inclusive leadership requires a a real organizational shift. You know, if, if it's an organization that, that has been suffering from silos, you might have to take things at big bites, right? Um, and drive some common tools. But like I said earlier, every leader also has to do their own work. And what gets in your way may not get in, in my way and vice versa. And so one-on-one coaching can be customized to help people individually and, um, and really help them to shine as opposed to asking them to do something that doesn't work for them. We can find the strengths for each person, which is, you know, kind of underscoring the purpose of inclusive leadership, which is that we all bring something unique and different to the table, and that's how we benefit. Same thing with coaching. I'm going to customize that coaching to discern what will work for you and how you can shine best. Wonderful. All right. So we're getting uh, kind of towards the end of our podcast. We have a few questions. Uh, I like to ask people, I'm not dating you here, but I want to say, uh, <laughs> what is the one piece of advice that you would give to your younger self? Oof. There's, uh, there are so many things that I would say yeah. to my I younger self, more. but I don't, <laughs> yeah, we don't have time for that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I think I would say be gentle with yourself and let it go. I struggled a lot 
with perfectionism. Mm. And uh, <laughs> and uh, so friends and family, if they listen to this podcast, they're going to say, what do you mean struggle past tense? That's, that's <laughs> what they would say. Got to be honest and vulnerable. So I, it still creeps in. I still have issues with perfectionism, but uh, but I'm getting better at it. It's actually a coaching opportunity for me and, and for many. And uh, earlier when you said, you know, seems like everybody should have a coach. Well, coaches have coaches too, okay? And that is something that I have focused on. And I really now appreciate how mistakes are not failures. They are experience. They are the foundation for innovation. They're simply a part of being human. And failing quick and fast and moving on is a great thing. And I support and believe in growth mindset for organizations. And and sometimes it starts with us as leaders deep within. You got to be sure that you have that growth mindset before you can drive that type of behavior and mindset for an organization. Uh, what a gift to remain um, teachable mm-hmm. and to be where we're all works in progress, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the growth mindset starts from within. Great stuff. All right. So where can people find you? You know, when people listen to this and they say, I need a coach, I'm going to contact Donna so that Donna and her team can help me or help my organization. Where do they find you? Yeah, absolutely. You can find Hughes Solutions Coaching and Advisory Firm at www.hughes-solutions.com. Don't forget the hyphen. And uh, you can find me personally on LinkedIn. That's my platform of choice. And my URL is Donna M. Hughes, J.D. Well, you mentioned, too, and I don't know if you want to plug this at all, that you were going to be speaking soon um, to a group of black women leaders. Is that at a conference or something else where somebody might join or no? Yeah, it's. Uh, I was asked to speak by the founders of an organization called Thrive, and it's an organization that creates space and community for black women to be empowered. And so I will be speaking to that audience on January 31st. 6 to 7.30 p.m. Check out my LinkedIn postings, uh, and that's where you will find the uh, the link to register. Okay. And then, obviously, in the future, uh, when future people are listening to this, LinkedIn is probably one of the best ways to see your future speaking engagements so they can see, you know, your work in those types of groups, correct? Absolutely. You can find, I will always post the work that we're doing at Hughes Solutions and any speak engagements that I may have. So definitely follow me on LinkedIn and also can check out some of the past engagements that I've had and articles uh, on some of these things that we've talked about in terms of coaching and competencies. Uh, they are also posted on my website. Oh, terrific. All right. So my final question at the Think Factory, we like to ask all of our guests one question, which is what keeps you up at night? We coach leaders who are driven, busy, competent leaders, just trying to do the best that they possibly can in very dynamic times and sometimes can be very challenging. So they are up at night often and for different reasons. And I try to make sure that I am ready to be present with them and to support them and rise early for them. So 
as opposed to staying up late at night or worrying. Um, I focus on how can I be energized and ready to be present for them. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Donna, again for your time today. And be sure to check out our other Women's Roundtable podcast so you can learn how women think big and grow their business. Again, I'm Susan Kleiner. Donna, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you.